Hey everyone, and welcome to Better by Association, an original podcast produced by the Texas Society of Association Executives. I'm your co-host, Katie Marker, Marketing and Communications Director with TSAE. And I'm your other co-host, Stephen Stout, Executive Director with TSAE. So this makes episode number seven for us, Katie, I think. Lucky number seven. Look how far we've come in this short time and all of the stories and great conversations we've had since starting. It's true. I mean, I don't want to be presumptuous, but is there such a thing as sort of the Emmys for podcasts? I mean, there must be, right? How long do you think we have to be around before we can be a part of that? I have no idea, but it can't be that long. Surely we're ready. What do you think? Well, maybe before we go there, we have to sort of up our journalistic game, perhaps pull like a Barbara Walters and try to make our guests cry to bring the drama. (laughs) Or maybe we can just keep having the conversations we've been having and see where that goes. Let's just see how this episode plays out. I make no promises. (laughs) Well, speaking of this episode, we have a special treat today, as today our guest is Trevor Mitchell, Executive Director and CEO with American Mensa. Yes, but not only that, he recently took on the role of chair of the TSE Board of Directors this past June. So we've asked him to join us today to have a conversation about all things associations and a little bit about TSAE. This is going to be great. Trevor has an impressive resume. Trevor is a charismatic and motivated certified association executive with a proven ability to analyze key business drivers and develop strategies for implementation quickly. An energetic leader with high integrity, delivering a solid track record for leading successful, high-performing teams to achieve desired outcomes such as increased member value and revenue income generation through innovations. As the Executive Director and CEO of American Mensa and the Mensa Foundation, Trevor works with both boards in developing strategies that support the mission of American Mensa and the Foundation, developing and implementing strategic goals and objectives, and enabling the boards to fulfill its governance function effectively. Throughout his career, Trevor has been active in the association management profession, as well as in industry events. Yes, this guy has practically been everywhere and done everything when it comes to the association industry. With all that, we are very lucky to have him leading TSAE for the 2023-2024 service year. We are so excited to have today with us the man, the myth, the legend, Trevor Mitchell. So Trevor, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Stephen and Katie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we have a lot of questions for you, but they're all easy ones. We sort of start off our podcast with the same question every time. And so you are no exception. So we're going to ask you our first question. Um, What is your deepest, darkest secret that you've never told anyone? (laughs) Just kidding. I kind of wanted to see your reaction. Our actual first question is, as, as you know, Trevor, doing this for as long as you have, not a lot of us did not go to school for this. We're sort of discovered the space on our own or through friends or through colleagues. And typically people say, oh, I fell into this association space this way. So we want to know what is your fallen story and how did you fall into this industry and your current role? Well, that is a very interesting question. And one of the things I will say leading up to basically the last year, I would have said, you know, my fallen story was I just found my way here. Every interview I had just ended up being for associations. But when I said up to a year, one of the things that has changed my thought is, is how we talk about being an association executive, being in the association profession. And I heard Wanda Little Coffee, who's a senior director of volunteer relations at ASAE, tell the volunteer leaders, if we want to talk about our profession differently, we need to start talking about it differently ourselves. And the notion of falling in almost has a negative connotation and certain 
asking us and challenging us ourselves to say, you know, what if we actually saw this as more of we were called to do this work or it found us? And that's really changed my focus in terms of it. So my story hasn't changed. I'm not actually going to tell you a lot of my story. I'm actually going to encourage everybody to read the upcoming September issue of RTSA Magazine Association Leadership. Um, my Get those plugs in. Yeah. My, uh, it's titled Owning Our Narrative Leads to Growth. I really dive into that story specifically. But for me, it was always there. It was always something I was meant to do. I just didn't see it right away that that was the career path. And so that article really gets into the details, but I wouldn't choose any other career at this point. Like this is what I was meant to do. It's so interesting because I feel like our space is one of the most best kept secrets. So many people don't know what a huge industry associations are. And especially, you know, I mean, growing up, I, I knew of like the famous ones, like the American Heart Association and Cancers Association and all those types of things. But I never realized it was a career path for someone and that you didn't have to be sick to be a part of something. So it's just so interesting to learn how people discover this space. But like you said, I, I love that approach of like, this has been our calling. This is kind of where we belong. And I think a lot of us talking to our members and talking to just different stakeholders, the comfort level of being in this kind of setup as far as like servicing stakeholders, it's not always about the bottom line. It's about uh, advancing an industry or a people. It takes a certain type of person to really love this work. And I agree with you. I think it is a calling. I, I like that approach. Then we maybe we need to reframe our first question, Stephen. Maybe you've already making changes, Trevor. Maybe next time we will not say follow the story. We'll say, how did you get this calling? You know, that's one of the things I do. I I start opening my mouth and things come out and then you never know where <laughs> things are going to lead us. And, you know, I hope most of the time it leads us in positive directions. But, you know, at this point, I feel like I'm, I'm spreading that message Wanda did because, I mean, she reached about 150 of us in that room that day. And, you know, here it is a year later. It's still sticking with me. And I just think about you know, we all talk about like, why don't people know about us? Why aren't we in colleges? Why aren't we talking about this? If we don't talk about it positively ourselves, no one else is going to take us seriously. I love it. And maybe that will help our families understand what it is that we do. If I have to listen to my sister tell me one more time, oh, he's like channel on friends. He works, but none of us know exactly what he does. <laughs> and then my family has now picked it up. I'm like, I, I can't with you anymore, people. I love you, but I can't. Yeah. I think my family says Stephen does something with hotels. That's all I get. Something with hotels, even though, yes, I work with hotels, but that's not my main function. But something with hotels is what I get dubbed as at Thanksgiving, and that, that's fine. I've accepted it. <laughs> well, speaking of callings, let's get back on there. Trevor, you've done so much in this industry. Your resume is full. And I was curious, you know, what is it that made you want to serve as the TSAE board chair? Oh, so... I'll try to keep the answer concise and short, but I think a lot of it for me kind of goes back to my early career. And granted, this has nothing to do with TSA, but I think it leads into why I got to where I am today. Growing up in the small rural farm town that I did, my family modeled volunteerism. I mean, I saw my mom, she was ended up being president of the PTA. She was on the school board. My grandparents were volunteers for Meals on Wheels. They ran the VFW. My mom got us involved in the Missouri Community Betterment Program. So like volunteering and giving back to a community, and I'm talking a community of 150 people, was something that was always instilled in us in terms of just who we are. And I carried that through and kind of to the earlier question, how I started getting involved in school organizations, which at the time didn't realize were associations, but were, they had staff. So that is something that always resonated with me. And it was something that I always knew that whatever I did going forward, I wanted to be 
where I was working with people and involved with people and just see, seeing that impact. Uh, but when I found the association profession and I started growing my career, getting involved in associations such as TSAE, I thought was crucial to not only my success, but just being able to engage in what was going on. And as a place where I found where I was able to give back and volunteer myself. I try to instill that with those who are around me at my office, I think as association professionals, we need to volunteer ourselves to remind ourselves what our members are doing for our organizations. What are their challenges? What are they facing? I think that helps us be a better leader. And for me, leading into TSAE, I had the opportunity to join the board. My What really drove me was it was the first time I saw a board that operated in a very strategic manner. Um, most of the boards I've served on were very operational. They set a direction, but they were like, we make the decisions that we do all the work. TSA was not like that. And it was definitely a breath of fresh air because as I wanted to elevate my own board that I work with in my mental organization, I needed to understand what that meant beyond a strategic board. Like, how does that feel? How do I go from making the decisions and doing the work to helping guide a direction and others do the work? So when I joined the board, totally got involved. You know, I thought I'm like, they've given me so much, I'm going to give back. But in true volunteer fashion, I think even through volunteering, I still got more out of it than what I felt like I was giving in. And then the opportunity to serve as board chair presented itself. There were several people within our TSA community that reached out to me. And I see reach out in terms of they look at me and go, you're running for board chair, right? You're, go you're going to do this. Like no pressure, but no, no pressure. Um, I won't name names, uh, Teresa Parsons. <laughs> the reason I felt that I can be the next board chair, be someone to consider was these individuals were giving me an opportunity to do so, but were giving me the confidence that I knew that what I had to offer was what the organization may need. And so that really led me for putting my name forward. And I knew at that time, even if I wasn't selected, the organization was going to pick who was right for the organization. And I just so happened to either have a good interview or or whatnot, but here I am. And it, it's an honor and a privilege just to be in this role. Sometimes I get overwhelmed with emotion and excitement because I am so excited for what we do. So I want to make the most of it over this next year and really working with the board and the staff and the rest of the volunteers to continue to elevate TSAE to where we want it to go. You know, I'm in this role for one year, so I don't anticipate this is what Trevor does in one year. It's what we do for one year. And I just happen to be in that position during this one part of our pivotal moment. And it's exciting. I look forward to what is to come over the rest of the year, but it's, it's an honor and privilege to be able to be in this role followed by so many peers who have come before me and those who will come after. We're so excited to work with you. I think your visionary brain is just something we can't wait to pick apart and, and use for our, to our advantage. One of the things I love, and I think I've heard not just you, but other board members say is they use our board as sort of a lab for themselves where they see how we operate. And, and you know, we're not perfect either. As you know, we were always growing and trying to evolve our board. But I do love that you guys use it sort of, it's like its own crash course and board governance, right? Um, I love that. That that serves a purpose for that as well as, of course, leading the TSE strategically in the future. So I love that. I love that you guys approach it that way. That's, that's one of my favorite things about board services. You guys get so much out of it. The good thing is, is we approach it from that way. We use it as kind of that, that beta test, that incubation, if you will, but we also don't put TSA at risk. Like, so, you know, we don't do the outlandish things that we want to try in our own organizations to do with TSA. I mean, we may pull those ideas a few times, but we, we're very rational about it. So, you know, anybody who's listening, just know that, yeah, you know, definitely. we're, we're, we're not making Steven and the team pull their hair out, like what crazy stuff are they coming up with? But 
it is, it's a great place for us to learn. I mean, if you've gone through the CAE or you've taken any kind of governance stuff, you read about these kinds of things, but seeing and practice is a whole nother animal and figure out how to do that with your own organization takes a lot of skill and effort. So being able to experience it creates a lot of reality to what we're doing and how it can actually be done. That's awesome. One of the things, Trevor, because of your forward thinking perspective on things, I'm curious to know, of course, associations right now are facing so many things. We have a lot we're working with, a lot of challenges we're facing. I'm curious to know from your opinion and, and sort of your perspective, um, what are three challenges that you feel are facing associations right now? Like at the top three, you're kind of like, these are things we have to address as an industry. Oh, there, there, I mean, there, there are so many. So narrow down to three is, is always going to be interesting. But here are the three that I think uh, really are, on, at least on my radar, what I think associations need to be thinking about is one, how do we navigate the post-pandemic world of our associations? What I see and hear from a lot of associations is they're starting to fall back. Um, they're starting to fall into those comfort levels that they had pre-pandemic. The pandemic forced us to challenge and change ourselves and innovate to stay relevant and to stay financially solvable. But now that we're coming out of it, we're getting to points where we're saying, oh, we're at pre-pandemic levels. We're doing all this stuff. We start going back to what was comfortable. And our members, current and future, are not going to stand there for it. They're not going to continue to allow us to do that. And I think associations who aren't mindful that they're falling into those old patterns are doomed going forward. They're going to have a harder time riding that ship than they did before. So that's the first one for me is really making sure we are more mindful of what we do with our organization, our members to stay relevant today and in the future, rather than reverting to the past. The second one is around technology. And, you know, we're hearing a lot right now about chat GPT. And my thought at this point is if you're just now talking about it, you're behind the curve. I mean, this all came up earlier this year. These are things that if you hear various futurists within our industry, you know, Jeff Cognia, Shelly Alcorn, they've been talking about this stuff for years. There's war coming down the pipeline, watching people leave Google because they're like, we've got to stop the madness that we're creating. Jet GPT is just the tip of the iceberg. There's more to come. It's just kind of the soft launch. We don't know what that next thing is. And so as associations, if we're not keeping our pulse on what's happening technology-wise and making sure we're having those conversations as we learn about this stuff and move it forward, we're going to be behind the curve because our members and organizations and industries are going to be advancing faster than we are and we are no longer going to be relevant yet again. Yeah. The last thing I will say, my third one, is around DEI. This is something that is critical for success for any organization going forward. I mean, futuristic trends show that by 2040, 2045, within the United States, there will be no racial majority in our country. But our organizations don't look like that. You know, we had a really big resurgence of stuff around DEI during the pandemic due to the murder of George Floyd, various people coming out of very, about various racial and sexual identity groups. But what we're experiencing right now is a little bit of a pushback, that, that wave of you've done too much or haven't we finished this already? Or why do we need to focus on this? Why can't we focus on other things? What we have to remember is that DEIA is all a cultural thing. It is here to stay. We have to embed it. Maybe our approach is different. Maybe we're looking at things differently. Maybe we're no longer talking about diversity. We're talking about how people identify 
and not talking about just the physical identities, but the invisible things, such as your education background. You know, I mentioned earlier growing up on a farm, understanding all those social economical pieces that make up our individual identities and how we show up, but doing it in a way that doesn't take away from the DEI efforts we've made today, but how do we address it as we move forward? Because more and more people are starting to weaponize those terms and it's creating a negative conversation and we need to refocus ourselves back to a positive one because humanity is not going to change. The trends are there. They're based off models and data. They may vary a little bit, but it's going to change. And if our associations aren't paying attention to that, again, we're going to be irrelevant because they'll go somewhere else. So those are the three things I think associations really need to be focused on because they're challenging how we operate and how we think going forward. Those are three big ones. So good job. <laughs> yeah, no, those are those are big, big ticket items. And I think there's just so much that can be explored in each one of those. So so speaking of exploration, what is something that you are curious about, Trevor? Is there some trends that you're keeping an eye on? So for me, what I am always keeping an eye on is how are we looking at keeping in mind the customer experience, that customer journey, that member experience. There may be something that's not what people probably expected me to say, but as we go back to the heart of who we are as an organization, um, it's about our members. That's why we exist. And one of the quotes I always used from my earliest days as a, as a membership manager, and I still resonate with me today, is the fundamental reason associations exist is to identify the problems and needs of our members and help them find solutions to achieve them. That is our core focus. No matter what our mission, vision statement is, that is why we are here. And as the next generation is entering the workforce, as they are challenging the assumptions based off of historical hierarchy in terms of corporate structures, we need to make sure that our organizations are prepared to provide them with meaningful experiences that resonate with them not only for the new workforce, but for everybody who's in our current workforce. This goes from online interactions, from web transactions to online communities, to what we're doing in person. And I think looking at it through that lens every single time and thinking about how can we improve this experience? How can we make them feel that they are wanted, that they are needed, and that they belong in this organization and that their voice is heard included no matter how they interact? is where associations really want to move. I think everything else for me that we talk about, whether it be DEIA, whether it be technology, whether it be events, everything to me goes back to that singular focus and looking at how do we just deliver on a good member experience. And it's interesting, Trevor, because you said uh, people might not think that's what I would say, and I did not think that's what you were going to say. So thank you for the twist. Uh, But one of the things I was curious about the experience has changed, right? Like from the thing about when you first started in associations, very different. I remember when webinars came out, everyone's like, oh my God, live meetings are dead. Webinars are where it's at. Webinars are going to take over everything. We're never going to get together in person again. And that didn't happen, right? Webinars are now a, a great added benefit to some things we offer, but it's not something that actually happened, even though there was a, a big scare about it when they first came out. So the experience has really changed. And I'm just sort of curious, how are you tracking your experiences or how are you, what are you looking at to sort of keep an eye on it? As you said, something, of course, that evolves constantly. So it's hard sort of to pinpoint it. But what areas are you like looking at when you say you're trying to looking at experience? 
you know, I think one of the things that we tend to focus on at Mensa as we as we navigate things. So we don't do it perfectly. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I, using an example of of a meeting event, like our, our annual conference, when we go on the site visit, the first thing that we do after we've done and saw all the property is like, okay, get on the elevator. We come down from a room. There's three of us. And we start saying, if they come off the elevator, what's their first thing they're going to see? Like we start visualizing it from their steps because we have a wide range of ages at a tenor conference. We said, okay, well, this is a Trevor Page pace. Like timed it. Okay. Now what did we say if it was someone who has mobility issues and they were in a scooter? So we'd slow down our walk. We start thinking about all of those things and saying, okay, well, what other information do we need? Because we want to view it from their perspective because it's easy to plot things in a hotel map and say, yeah, all this works, but is this experience, is this flow that you want? Um, we have a conference that we're planning for next year as a national organization. We move around, we'll be in Kansas city where we have things in two different hotels and yes, it'd be very easy for us to say, well, some stuff in this hotel, this hotel, but what we started thinking about was what goes where. And so a lot of our day stuff is in the primary hotel. And then our evening stuff is over in the other hotels through the skywalk because we wanted to limit their need to have to go back and forth throughout the day. And so it's just thinking about that and then thinking about like on their online registration, how many times, you know, at what point do people get fed up in terms of click throughs to get to the end point? No shade on any AMS vendor that's out there, but understanding that what your system is designed and it can do in eight clicks, attendees expecting two, you know, how do we think through those pieces? And then we start measuring it. We, we ask questions and we just got our survey back from our annual conference. So we started saying like this year, they rated us very high in their online interaction of on-site registration, pre-registration, website, all these things. And so it gave us assistance to say, are we taking the right things into account? As we do that, we start identifying who do we need to bring into this conversation to give us those perspectives. Because again, I have someone who is able-bodied and has full mobility of both of my legs. So walking the space is different than being in a scooter or in a wheelchair or on crutches. And so we engage them and say, what is it like for you to travel the space? Like what information do we need to take in consideration for you to participate? Because how they engage is not how we engage. And there's a fundamental question of for anybody asking them, you know, what is it that you need us to know so you are able to fully participate in this event? We don't ask them, you know, what are your challenges or what are your needs? We give them that open space to say, this is what I need. This would help me feel as if though I'm part of the group. Being able to do this so allows us to have an open conversation about what that is instead of forcing people into boxes. So that's just one example of how thinking about that membership, that attendee, that experience can really make an impact on the time that they are there. Yeah. I love that. I love taking a look at the way, yeah, I love the elevator analogy where you come off and you're like, okay, this is how I see it, but how does someone in another set of shoes see it? That's awesome. And I, I appreciate that they're willing to share that feedback with you. That's awesome that you can sort of build that experience for them. One of the things, of course, we've been talking about a lot, and you've mentioned already uh, the DEI sort of component of things. You've been such a big champion for DEI. You know, you're helping us go through our own journey of DEI here at TSAE. So I guess I just wanted to get to the root of the issue. Like, why is this so important to you? So for me, it's important because we're talking about humans. We're talking about them coming together around a common cause. I mean, that is what associations that that is how we as a civilized society have 
come to be is we want to gather around people. We want to share ideas. We want to engage. It's one of the reasons I don't think live meetings will ever go away. I think there are definitely iterations and that will continue to evolve, but we won't ever go away. But what drove me to this in particular was when I became a CEO for the first time. There was a moment, I don't remember exactly what that moment was, but I remember having this thought in my head, this realization of I'm responsible for everybody, the staff, the members, the volunteers, and looking around the room going, there are different individuals here, different genders, different races, different perspectives, all need to be taken into consideration. So that really led me on is I need to know more. I need to learn more. I always was aware of DEI. I was kind of keeping myself up to speed on it, but that wasn't my primary focus before. So it wasn't something I dug into. And so that's what led me down this journey. I found an opportunity to engage with ASAE on their committee. They wanted people who were in the C-suite CEOs and how to support them in their journey. And I was like, I am totally this person. I don't know anything about it, but I'm willing and able, and I want to know more. And so, you know, whatever research, whatever I can do, I'm happy to help. And that just kind of led me down this path. When I joined the TSA board, that was the first conversation we had at our retreat. And I remember it was one of those times I was very adamant about my opinion on the matter and doing so in a very polite and respectful way and got tasked with leading our initiatives because I had the passion around it. And I feel like we're better as a society, as an organization, when we bring all those voices together. You know, TSC's tagline is better together. How can we be better together if we all just look and sound the same? And so that notion, I think for me, just gets rooted deeper and deeper the more I work into this because it's about us all doing what's right and coming together as a, as a community. I never expected I would be someone sought out to talk about DEI or give trainings and leadership and and everything else. Uh, that was never my goal. That was never my intent, but it definitely is something that I have embraced. And I will tell you, I feel like I have imposter syndrome lots of times. Being a white male, I realize that things coming out of my mouth could sound differently and I take ownership of that. But I also recognize through my privilege, I have an opportunity to open other people's minds who may not be otherwise hearing it. And so if I'm the person who can come in to another group of predominantly white males, and they finally start understanding that privilege isn't about them losing something. It's about the systems that have been put in place and that how we need to help dismantle that and bring these other voices in. And that helps us lead to bringing in other resources that are of other genders, other races, other identities themselves to help fill in those gaps. Then I'm going to use that privilege for good because that is what we do. And so I can go on and on about this. This is uh, not only is it a passion area of mine, but I think it just is who we are as humans. And I think this is why DEI is not only important today, but important for the future. Yeah. I mean, you always can tell when you talk about DEI, the passion in your voice and kind of in your content about the subject matter. So I appreciate letting us dig in a little deeper as to why that is so important to you. It's something, of course, that we're, we're trying to focus, be better at here at TSE. And of course, I know a lot of our members are trying to figure out that journey for them as well. So thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You can hear the passion. It's wonderful. Well, I, I would say on top of that, you know, Stephen, you, you said the key word there is a journey. And what I hope any association or any association professional who's going through any of this is it is a journey. You're never going to be fully there. You're never going to get it right. Just as you start to understand something, it changes again, but never back down from your journey 
focus on what you have been able to do and how even that small little increment actually has a positive ripple effect going forward. We as associations get so bogged down into, we only want to talk about it if we're doing big things or we've had a major success. This is something you have to celebrate every small little step you take and even celebrate the setbacks because that will make you better. And so I challenge anybody who's listening to this to continue to remember that going forward because that is how we make positive change around DEIA. I love that. Uh, you know, it's like, you can't really be like, oh, box checked. We've solved DEI. High five, everyone. Great job. It is a journey and, and it's a difficult one sometimes. Sometimes it can be daunting as, where do I even start? I want to have this conversation and it's just hard to get started. But just hearing about you and all the passion in your voice, it, it just sort of solidifies. And of course, in our space, it's been a topic of conversation for years now on an industry-wide level. So it's kind of exciting that we're all sort of going on this, down this yellow brick road together, I suppose, uh, and, and sort of figuring it out what that looks like. But I do like, too, that you said celebrate your setbacks because you're going to have a setback. No one's nailing this right first time out of the box, right? So we're all sort of figuring our way through it. Um, and I think it's really important, like you said, to celebrate not only your successes, even if they're small, but the setbacks as well, because you, you learn from those and you get better and you move on. So um, all good stuff. Thanks, Trevor. Mm -hmm. And great advice. <laughs> uh, speaking of advice, what is a piece of advice that maybe you have been given that really resonated? So a piece of advice that I constantly remind myself of is just to be our true authentic selves. When we allow that to shine through, that is whenever we actually have the opportunity to be our best selves. And I share that because it's not something I've always done. And those who know me or have heard me speak, I talk about the fact that uh, I'm an openly gay man. And that wasn't always the case. Uh, in my first career, I never hit it, but I never talked about it either. I never wanted to be known as that gay person or, you know, Trevor Sheridan, he's also gay. Like, I didn't want to be that token person. I want to be known for what I did, like what I was able to accomplish, not part of my identity. And that was challenging. You know, interacting with members and you couldn't, you know, as the membership person, as the person who was supposed to be making all these connections, I held a piece of myself back because I felt like it was defining me in a way I didn't want to be defined. When I moved to Texas to come work at Mensa, I made the determination that I needed to change that. And I definitely saw now there's a difference of who I was then and who I'm now. Not that I, I was doing anything different, but how I approached things, how I felt more comfortable with who I was because I allowed my full self to shine through. It's exhausting. Whatever you think about how much you would hide or how you would say phrases or, um, you know, oh, what are you and your wife are doing? Well, me and my partner, are, you wouldn't say things like, oh, that no, we're doing fine. Like you would just let it slide. You know, how can people trust you if you have to hide yourself? How can people really get to know you? And so the more and more I've become my full authentic self, the better off I have been as a leader, as a professional, as a partner in my own personal relationship myself. Like I'm truly who I am. And so owning that, you know, not everybody listening to this is going to have that same situation, but you know, are there parts of you that aren't showing up because at work you don't want to display your tattoos or you don't want to color your hair or as a parent, knowing that you're taking time off to take care of your kids, like all these misconceptions that people hide at work because they don't want to be seen as something other than a good professional really hinders our ability to be our best selves. 
Yeah. And Jared, do you think COVID changed that? Do you think COVID, because we all were sort of invited into each other's living rooms during that time, meaning, you know, we're all on Zoom, we're seeing the kids run past you in the background, we're seeing the dogs jump up on things. Do you think that's changed a little bit since COVID or, or no? I would say it has changed some. What I find, it depends on the culture of your organization yeah. as well, because I started thinking about how many people prefer not to be on camera. Yeah, good point. Yeah. You know, whether they're at home, wherever, like, you know, they could fall into their more introverted. So being on camera is exhausting to them. And so even as an extrovert myself, being on camera, it, I only get so much of it to fill my extrovert meter. I, I really need to be physically in the presence of people. So I think it does. I think it's how you handle your culture of your organization to allow that flexibility, to allow that authenticity, to allow opportunities for us to share. You know, I think one of the things that we do in my organization, it, it, we use Slack and we have a water cooler channel there. And all it is, is it's, it's memes, it's random questions. And I think those kinds of things were being in a hybrid space. We allow ourselves to get to know each other a little better in a very safe environment that isn't forced allows us to get to do that thing. So I think the pandemic taught us to do things differently. It's a matter of how did you allow your culture to foster that and to be able to help accept it. I think if you have a very open culture, more people were allowed to share more about their cat and, um, you know, the fact of what's going on in the background. And if I'm at home, which I am today as we're, as we're doing this, people could see all of my Missouri stuff, my University of Missouri stuff behind me just because I'm very proud of that. Granted. Jeez, we get it. You're from Missouri. Uh. <laughs> Well, you know, but at the office, I don't show it as much. And so it's just, you know, it does give that sneak peek into our lives. It's just a matter of how do we help cultivate that? So it's a positive as opposed to feeling forced or them wanting to hide it. I think that's a great point. I'm just, just curious because, you know, things have changed, obviously. Uh, um, and of course, uh, like you mentioned, presenting your true self at work, it, you know, and not being able to just exhausting, right? I mean, having to be essentially two different people, sometimes three or four different people, just keeping all that straight in your head, it, it really affects your day-to-day. -day. So I, I think that's really well put. I have a two-part question coming up. So we've learned a little bit about you and you you mentioned that your reasons for taking on leadership here at TSE and, and, and we appreciate that. But I want to know from you, especially working with the board, what do you think is the vision for the board over the next year or so? So for me, I think the vision of the board is, is two parts. One is it for us to really advance our strategic plan that we put into place last year. And at the most recent retreat, we took an opportunity to just reevaluate what happened the last year and help us figure out what has happened, how much did we believe was correct, what has changed, and really put, make sure that we're keeping ourselves focused on the right things for TSAE and the, or, and the membership as opposed to just we have a plan, we have to do the plan. So I think that's the first major thing that we're doing. And I'm really excited with where the board is working on those pieces and we're helping us to better delineate and outline what is the board responsible for, what is staff responsible for, what are our committees responsible for? Because in essence, we're all working towards the same thing. So we need to be moving there, but we don't want to step on each other's toes. Like you all are a small staff. We are a lot, there's a lot of volunteers. How do we get this stuff done? with the resources we have. So I think that's the first one. The second one is TSA is, in my opinion, finally past the, the post-COVID piece. We're, we're now getting to what I think is 
recovering and sustainability mode for the organization, both financially and with all of our events and programs and stuff. Like that. So I think we're really figuring out what we look like now. And so my biggest focus is how do we help take what we're doing and creating a and building on that solid community that we always had into what TSA is now going to be going forward. So it's it's really about elevating those conversations. So everything that we do, like I'm, I'm excited about new ideas next month, just because we're bringing everybody back together and probably going to have fewer, if any, conversations about pandemic level things. It's more about what's happening now. We're, we're now able to let that go and lean into what's next. And, you know, I think that's really exciting because that's where our community shines. Right. And with that, sort of having your pulse on different things within TSC and in the industry as well, I'm curious if you could name your top three resources for all things associations, but I'm going to give you an out. We're going to allow you to say three other things than TSC, because of course, TSC is a, <laughs> an amazing resource that you'll never ever want to walk away from. So three resources that are outside of TSC. So what you got? So I'm going to dodge the question. <laughs> um, and here's, here's my reason why I have my hand and my pulse on so many things that there isn't what a singular one, two or three things I go to. So here's, here's actually the advice I will share is I think it's about finding where your resources come from. So for me, one of them is what are the various peer groups that I have an opportunity to engage with? One of them, I was involved with ASA's next gen program. Early on in my career, actually, Stephen, that's where you and I met in 2013. So, you know, a decade ago. Oh um, my God. I know. Oh, put a number on it like that. I know. Uh, well, it, there's a whole other story there, like uh, in all that stuff, about where Stephen and I both, how we met and then where we are today, never assumed our paths would be in this journey together. But that group, not only that cohort, but all the groups that have come behind us, interacting in that group, interacting with, my leadership academy class through ASA. I know within TSA, there's a lot of TSA leadership that, you know, you, it's finding those groups, like being able to engage just in random conversations with these individuals. Like that's what I look forward to at conferences because I get so much knowledge. I just did a session at ASAE on CEOs versus frivolous lawsuits. What happens when you get sued? And it all started because a friend of mine and I were having drinks at an ASA event and people heard us like, this should be a session. That's, for me, learning from those peers and just tapping into that wealth of knowledge is extremely important. So finding those groups, you know, engaging, whether it's through TSAE, ASAE, association channel line, Facebook group, whatever, like just putting your ear into those to hear those things like and really cultivate it out. That's my first one. Second one is lean on our industry partners. They work with so many associations. They have so much knowledge collectively of what they do. Like just listening to what they are getting aggregate because it helps me understand kind of what's going on more in the industry because a lot of people don't talk about it, but they have their knowledge so much. So on all these things, AMCs are also a great place for this. So I look for their white papers or blog posts attached to their social media. And I just let that stuff come to me. And I really just kind of sort through it and like, oh, I want to ask so-and-so a question on this. And so that is a resource. And the last thing is thinking about what is it you need? So I will plug this for TSA specifically. I enjoy our CEO form that we have every spring. As a CEO myself, it's the one place throughout the course of the year that I feel like I can get a lot of good knowledge for the role I'm in with the rest of my peers. It's 
It's the one time we really get to focus in ourselves. But don't get me wrong. I love new ideas as well, but I'm going to go to that less for education and more for meeting all these other people and talking to all these vendors and industry partners. It's, it's how I've gotten to know so many of the destinations, which is also interesting being a national organization. The people I work with at each of these destinations is not the people who show up at TSAE because of how they all handle their sales structure, but it's still creating those communities. So all of those individuals start feeding into these pieces. So I think it's about finding less the specific resource, like the, the hidden thing, and more about how do you keep your ear open. I think for me, that's how I'm more aware of all the things going on in the industry because I have it all coming to me through various forms as opposed to I'll go to one or two trusted sources. I thought I was going to have to get Barbara Walters to try and get you to cry, but no, that works. Uh, I appreciate those answers. Oh, I mean, if you want me to cry, start asking me more about DEI and my personal journey. Eventually, it, it will happen. Maybe next time we have you on. Yeah, next episode titled Trevor Cries. Trevor Cries. <laughs> and how we made him do it. <laughs> well, I do feel like you've answered this question several times throughout this conversation, but it is our standard last podcast question, so it has to be said. But why do you think it's important to be engaged in organizations like TSAE? So for TSA specifically, I really think our tagline says it all, better together. And if we are not involved in giving back to our community, how can we be better? And how can we do it together? Like It's one of those like duh moments to me, but it's finding those opportunities to engage in ways that make sense. So whether you're a speaker, whether you comment in our online community, whether you volunteer, or you just actively just show up to events like the social last night for uh, down in Austin, like finding ways to connect with our community and share because all of those, no matter what level of involvement you have, is still giving back to our community because you're engaging some sort of way. And so I think that's it's extremely, extremely important. And if we're not going to do it, make ourselves better and make TSA better, who is? I think it's part of our job, but I think it makes us better professionals because we continue to re remind ourselves why we tell our members they should engage in our organizations and what they get out of it. And we should do the same. We should model the behavior that we're asking everybody else to do. That's a great way to end. Thank you, Trevor, again, for being with us today. Mr. Board Chair, the man, the myth, the legend, we are so happy to have you with us. And thank you for just sharing your space and, of course, your history and your passion with us because we benefit from, from your engagement here with us. And, of course, we've learned so much just about you in the past hour or so, but thanks again, Trevor, for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Trevor. It's really always a pleasure chatting with you. It was an honor and privilege to be able to do this with you all today. And it's an honor and privilege to be able to be in this role for the next year. So I'm very excited and I'm humbled by all of this. Thanks so much, Trevor. Thank you. Thanks to Trevor for spending time with us today. What a great conversation. One of the things I love about Trevor is he always brings his authentic self to everything he does same and today was absolutely no exception uh, we do want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and don't forget in september the tsae new ideas annual conference is happening in fort worth texas september 24th through 26th that's right join your entire tsae family and friends for three days of quality education networking and connection visit tsae.org for information also don't forget to tune in to future episodes of better by association an original podcast produced by TSAE, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I'm Executive Director Stephen Stout. And I'm Marketing and Communications Director Katie Markert. Bye, everyone. Until next time. <laughs>